Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Founders in LA podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Cole, and this is an opportunity to shine the spotlight through the product lens on some of the exceptional technology leaders we have as part of the LA community in an unedited one take organic conversation. With us today is Colin Gallagher. Thanks for coming to the studio, Colin. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, this is going to be a great one. But first, a word from our sponsors. Founders in LA is brought to you by Unita Club. Unita Club is the co-working space that sets itself apart. With locations in El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, and Hermosa, Unita is where creativity flourishes. Unlike traditional offices, they provide an inspiring environment where ideas can thrive and businesses can grow. With Unita, there's no hidden fees, flexible terms, options for dedicated offices, and unlimited access to conference rooms, a photo studio, a podcast studio much like this one, plus standard and 3D printers and 24-7 access at any of their locations. They're local champions who support neighborhood businesses, open their event spaces to nonprofits, and celebrate art, music, and culture. Join Unita Club and experience co-working like never before. Learn more at www.unita.club. That's U-N-I-T-A dot C-L-U-B. We're also brought to you by the Product Managers Association Los Angeles, available at pma.la. They're the largest professional organization for product designers in LA. With more than 4,000 members from over 500 companies, they host monthly meetups, organize a product leader council, and have a mentorship program where they connect working product managers with students from underrepresented groups to build a better, more diverse next gen. To learn more about PMA, go to pma.la. To learn more about the mentorship program, go to pma.la slash mentorship. Our guest today is Colin Gallagher. He is the co-founder and CEO of Lunch. Uh, Colin, can you give us a 30-second description of Lunch? Yeah, uh, what we're trying to do at Lunch is to build uh, payments networks in legacy verticals. So originally starting in government. Uh, there's a little bit of an imbalance in government, still using a lot of paper checks uh, okay. and also slow payment times. And so if you're a small business selling to your local government, that's a big pain. So what we've done is we've built a free payments network uh, so we give the government free digital payments so they can pay the way we're all used to being paid. And also on the other side, we have embedded supplier financing so that if you are working with the government and you're waiting on a payment, we know the government's good for the contract. So we'll get you some money up front. Oh, interesting. So this is solving a problem of the speed at which startups need to move or small companies need to move versus the speed at which government can move and approve and pay for things. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is a lot about the velocity of money. It's about working capital for a lot of small businesses. This is less of a problem if you're Lockheed Martin or whoever. Right. But there are thousands of small businesses working with every school district and municipality across the country. Uh, we have a bunch of these, you know, approved vendor lists from local municipalities. A small town might work with 2000 businesses in a given year. A big city like LA, 45 or 50,000 or more, right. um, working directly with the local school system or with the government. And so we saw this as a really interesting distribution vector into small underserved businesses. And then also sort of this risk arbitrage of being able to provide them capital, which normally you would not fund these small businesses because their cash flows are lumpy or anything like that. But on their government contracts, as long as they make delivery, you know the government's good for the money. Right. So there's this unique opportunity here to rethink what a payment network could be. Um, the other piece of that puzzle is, you know, governments are, you know, approving payments. That takes time. Uh, you know, it has to run all the way up the chain. They have to release the funds. Then they're going to put a paper check in the mail. And so some of that is completely necessary. Uh, the 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 reason that governments take so long to pay 
is because they don't want to waste your taxpayer dollars. They want to make sure the right dollar is going to the right person right on time. And so we noticed that there was always going to be a payment delay, no matter what, because they they can't mess that stuff up. They get audited every single year. And so we said, okay, that 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 payment delay is a pain point for the for the businesses that you want to work with, the small underserved businesses in your community. So let's just solve that. And I think we've kind of built an interesting model, you know, really being probably the first payments network that doesn't charge transaction fees. Uh, but it's kind of unique because of the space that we're in. Did you start with the the covering the the government side or covering the small business side? Uh, started on small business side. The government stuff is uh, is new and interesting. And and I know we were we were just talking about our mutual friend Travis Corrigan. Uh, when when I was coming up with the idea for this company, you know, obviously talked with my co-founder, but Travis and I talked about large companies and the phased approach. You know, really the the shining one there is, is like you know Tesla or SpaceX, right? You want to go to Mars, you got to, for some reason, build an electric car first, right? All of these things that you need to do to stack on each other in order to be able to make, you know, a multi-planetary species happen. And so it's like a phased approach. Uh, and what we started with was actually accounts receivable automation, which is, it sounds very boring. It is very boring. But what we did is we worked with a lot of ed tech vendors and said, hey, we know you're working with your local school. Does it take a long time to collect? And they're like, yes. I'm like, cool. Let us take that over for you, you know, for free or almost free, essentially. And what we ended up doing was learning a lot about how to collect from government agencies very quickly mm. because we weren't just collecting from one or two or 10 like all these small companies were. We were collecting from thousands. And so we were able to automate a lot of that process. From there, we took that data and we went to private lenders and said, look, look at how good the credit is of all these municipalities. They pay. They take a long time. We've built software that helps us collect faster. Right. Would you guys lend against this? And I think, you know, we were right around our pre-seed and we raised a, you know, $100 million debt facility because the lenders around us saw the same thing. They're like, oh, this is government-backed debt. Right. Like, it's not going to default. And so we were able to then layer on the the other thing that we, we do for small businesses, which, which was financing. And it's invoice factoring for any of my invoice factoring nerds out there. It's essentially like net terms financing. You know, you're going to get, well, you might get paid somewhere between 90 and 120 days from the government. You don't know. Uh, but you need to get paid in less than 30 to keep the lights on. We'll pay you like same day. Uh, and then we go collect on your behalf. And now, you know, to your, to your uh, initial question, did you start on the small business side or did you start on the government side? Well, now we're layering in the government piece. We want to be on the other side of that transaction as well. And that's why we facilitate digital payments. So we become the vendor uh, the vendor portal for governments because they don't want to have to hold all the vendor bank data. They don't want to, they don't right. want to mess up. They're already dealing with all of the requirements around their regulations for their particular agency. They don't want to add banking regulations on top of that. So we said, Hey, we've already onboarded all these, all these small businesses. Just give us all your small businesses. We'll onboard them. We'll, you know, tokenize their bank account information and, and make sure that that's held safely and securely. And so you can feel comfortable that when you pay, it's getting to the right the right business, and that kind of just changes the paradigm for an entire uh, an entire you know section of the economy, right? Because the government is so big, but taking them off of paper checks and, and giving them an opportunity to quickly and efficiently pay their vendors, and for us, we provide that for free because on the other side of the transaction, I get to meet all these thousands of small businesses, and yes, financing is something that they need, but. They might want, you know, credit card issuance or accepting credit cards, or a lot of them need invoicing, which we provide on our platform. Um, there's other things around working with the government, uh, bonding and insurance that we want to be able to provide eventually. So just be this kind of hub 
for anyone that wants to work with the government, you got to go to this hub, you'll get paid here, you'll be able to get financing here, you'll be able to do a, a lot of other things and just make it super simple. So how did you find your way to dedicating your life to this? Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, the most exciting thing to dedicate your life to was uh, invoice factoring. Uh, no, um, every young boy's dream. Yeah, I, I had some, you know, I, I was in the military for a long time. Uh, I flew C-17s, cargo planes for the Air Force, got out, moved to L.A., uh, still in the reserves, uh, so still do that a little bit. I've, I'd known about the the slowness of government for okay. <laughs> up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, there's the same problem in the military of getting paid for your travel vouchers. That takes like a really long time. Uh, so maybe a little of the, the seed of the idea was there when I was filling out travel vouchers uh, when I was in my 20s. Um, but, you know, I... You know, I, I moved to LA. I worked for a production company for a little bit. Uh, so I did a little stint in entertainment and then uh, went to business school where I kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug. And my first company really were trying to sort of reinvent the sports network. We built a computer vision platform that could watch uh, sports and esports and automatically clip out the highlights in real time. And you can imagine the type of people we were selling that software to. It was sports teams and leagues and broadcasters but also a lot of colleges, because you can think on a Friday night or a Saturday at, at you know UCLA or whatever, they might have 10 or 12 simultaneous events going on and they didn't want to park a production truck outside of each one. So instead they just piped the stream to us, system would clip out the highlights in real time, share them to Twitter, do all that type of stuff. Um, and so we had a ton of colleges on our platform. We had, we had the Pac-12, we had the America East Conference. We were you know, doing a bunch of work all across the country, but started to realize like, wow, these government agencies, everyone else pays with a credit card and the government agencies is mailing me a check three months later. Still, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I worked at Play Versus in between, which is another big, uh, a great LA startup here. Um, and I saw the same thing at the high school level. We were selling esports tournament software into high schools and you know, a, a large percentage of our schools just hadn't paid in months. And it was a little bit, you know, it was a lot on the school, but a little bit on us as well, because the schools were like, hey, we need your W-9 or you need to fill out the approved vendor form or you are sending this to the wrong department. You know, all these things that you have to figure out in order to just get paid. And so I was like, I'd seen that problem twice before. So I started calling other companies that worked in the government space like, hey, is getting paid a problem for you? And overwhelmingly, <laughs> everyone's like, yes, it takes forever. And everyone would say the government will never stiff you. But man, they could take a long time to pay. And I go, okay, there's something there. And that's where we started to sort of build out. Jason, my co-founder, and I really started to build out this, this idea for what this payments network could be. And we became sort of obsessed with this idea. We would hang out, like, because, you know, obviously, like, friends and get along. But we would hang out, and all we would do is talk about invoices and, <laughs> and, yeah. and cash flow and the most boring stuff. I'm sure we're the least fun people that you could ever have at a party. <laughs> That's fantastic. And so it was, it was really, it was born out of need of what you saw around you. Um, and I, I just can't help but think of like the, yeah, the disconnect between startups and cash flow issues they have and the need that they have for money now versus yeah, the government where you're good for it, but it could take us six months. But then in startup land, you know, six months is like six years. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too. Like, even some governments are very good at paying. I, I would, I would, you know, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush. But even a thirty-day cash flow delay when you need to make payroll next Friday, yeah. like that, you can't, you can't wait. I talked to a company last week, and they're like, "We've got a million dollars in AR from cities all over the country. A million dollars." Imagine what you could do with a million dollars today as opposed to waiting three or four months for it. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a, there's a need there. I don't, again, I don't think it's a need for everyone, 
But like, there's a long-term goal where, hey, everyone just pays 1% and everything gets gets transferred instantly, right? right. And, and so no one waits. You get the government contract, you make delivery, the money's in your account same day. Um, I think I would pay a pen, well, you know, one penny on every dollar for that, you know, um, as opposed to waiting. I don't know if we'll ever get there, but if we can facilitate, you know, kind of the the top line goal, can we facilitate every government payment to one of their suppliers? And will, you know, a good chunk of those suppliers elect to get paid early? Like that's kind of where we want to go. And then from there, like the sky's the limit, the things that you can do once you're inside and seeing both sides of that transaction, the data associated with both sides, what they're buying, what they're selling, all those different things become very powerful. The data kind of becomes becomes the the value prop at that point. Absolutely, and and having got to get there, being like the helping hand on both sides. Uh, yeah, that's, exactly. That, that's that's a that's a uh, incredible uh, incredible project you're working on here. Yeah, it's a weird model, but we we I, it it we're not just making this up on the fly. Like right. this is a lot of uh, customer conversations, a lot of you know, talking with either businesses or government. Like I, in the last month, I probably talked to, you know, 15 or 20 different businesses, but then also 15 or 20 different government agencies and asking them like, hey, how does your procurement process work? How do you pay? What what platforms are you using to manage this process right now? How come you're not using digital payments? Like all these questions, but you have to, you have to do that, that legwork to, you know, if you're going to disrupt like the, you know, that, 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 <laughs> sort of overused term like you want to disrupt an industry you have to understand the industry to a certain level first like sometimes sometimes people you know hit it out of the park on the first one but like we know that it's gonna be a lot easier to do if we have done our homework first that's that's incredible um it sounds like you guys are doing your homework um throughout the country uh if looking to to ground this in la um you know if you could think of from your experiences here, like what what is the most LA thing that uh, that's happened to you? It could be it could be tech related, or it doesn't have to be. Uh, I kind of have a, a short tech one. Years ago at my last company, again it was in the sports space, uh, sports and AI, and uh, a group here in LA called Vader was was doing a um, they were doing a conference, and they had an opportunity to pitch Mark Cuban. It was like Mark Cuban and Brian Lee of the Honest Company, and uh, I think Mike Jones from Science. And our company got to go up there. So I oh, kind wow. of LA to me get to go pick uh, pitch Mark Cuban. We didn't win, uh, which is kind of a bummer, uh, but that was good. The most, I would say the most LA, LA thing that's ever happened to me that has nothing to do with startups is like a few years ago, I blew out my knee and I had a bunch of friends that always like to go do karaoke. And I was like, oh, I'm going to learn a karaoke song. Uh, and <laughs> so I spent a lot of time trying to find any sort of singer that had a voice similar to mine. So I could like learn that song. And then I found out like no famous singer has a voice like yours because they are good at singing and you are not. Um, so I ended up learning, I was like, okay, I'll just learn a rap song. And you know, but me being me kind of like super extra on everything I want to do. Um, I decided to learn, learn the hardest rap song I could find, which is rap God. Okay. And then like, I just had this secret weapon in my pocket for six or seven months. And I got invited to a party just, just in case karaoke came up, just in case karaoke came up. And then, like six or seven months later, uh, one of my classmates from business school um, was throwing a party and, and you know, his, his wife's an actress. And so like in the Hollywood Hills, like it was like it was a celebrity party. Okay. Right. Like Susan Sarandon's out on the on the porch, like Mackay Pfeiffer's over here. And she's like she'd bought a karaoke machine and she was running around. She's like, will you sing karaoke? Will you sing karaoke? No one's singing karaoke. I bought this machine specific for this party. And I was like, I'll sing karaoke. I mean, a room full of celebrities. Like, I'll, I'll start this off. And you you're know? the guys who want to do it. Yeah. yeah. And so like, and it's like, 
you know, one of these beautiful Hollywood Hills homes that's opens up to the, to the patio. And there's like 125 people out here. And the, the song rap God starts like very distinctively. It's like one chord just getting banged on the piano. And I look up and all the dudes that knew rap, like looked up and looked at me and they go, nah, not this guy. But then I started doing it <laughs> and it started going really well. And, uh, this guy, Lamorne Morris, who was, uh, on the show, new girl that I uh, was on at the time that I watched and I really liked, he would play this character, Winston. Oh, I love Winston. Yeah. Winston. Yeah. yeah. So Winston's over here rapping along. And I'm like, there's a second microphone on this stand. And I just grab it and I just throw it to Winston. And he comes up and we finish the whole song together. And when he gets to the fast part, he's like, ah, oh, you got this. And we, and literally we finished the song Rap God. And it's me, it's mostly for Winston, you know, being right. good at it. But the entire room, a room full of celebrities is cheering, is just like losing their minds. And then like everybody started doing karaoke. And I was like, this is it. This is why you learn a song for karaoke so that when you're in a room full of celebrities, you can just blow the roof off the party. And I was like, probably that's the most L.A. thing that's ever happened. With Winston from New Girl. With Winston from New Girl. Yeah. And he, he even goes, he goes, we should do another one. I was like, all right, yeah, man. He's like, do you know Forgot About Dre? And I was like, no. And he just went through like nine rap songs. He's like, do you know only rap God? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, you're weird, dude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I always appreciate that. I love that. That's amazing. Oh, that, that's why I guess you always have to learn two songs. Yeah, I, I should have learned, you know, <laughs> look at me now them. or whatever. <laughs> uh, that that was fantastic. Um, well, thank you so much, Cullen, for, for coming here today. Uh, thank you for sharing about lunch and, and for sharing uh, your most L.A. thing, which is one of the most L.A. things I've yeah, ever heard. Thank you. Phenomenal. Uh, I also like to thank our sponsors, PMALA and Unida like to thank you all for listening to us and uh if you like what you hear please smash that subscribe button thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time on founders in la